My name is John Redman from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking again about heaven. That's what we thought about the last time we were together. It's what we're going to be thinking about today, a place called heaven. What's it going to be like in heaven? On last week's program, we thought about the fact that in heaven, we're going to receive new bodies. And I think for all of us who are probably over 40 years of age, that's a good thing. And probably the older you get, the greater that becomes. Because these bodies we have, they they begin to, to age and they, they wear out. And we have all kind of issues sometimes with these bodies. But when we get to heaven, we're going to have brand new bodies, free from sickness and pain and certainly free from decay and from death. And so that's one of the great things about heaven. We get new bodies. But also when we get to heaven, we're going to not just have new bodies. We're going to have new places to live. And in the sermon we're going to be listening to today, we're going to be thinking about that. Now, I don't know if you live in an apartment at this time in your life. Maybe you live in a small home. Maybe you live in a big house. Maybe you live in a mansion. But did you know when you get to heaven, you, for the first time in your life, are not only going to have a perfect body, but you are going to have a perfect place to live. And as I was preparing this sermon and studying that passage in John 14, where Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions, did you know I learned something that I didn't even know? After uh, preaching for a lot of years, I learned a truth about what Jesus meant when he said, in my Father's house are many mansions or many places. And so today, as we listen to this sermon and as you think about what will one day be your eternal home, your place to live in heaven, I want you to think and listen very carefully. And maybe today you're going to learn something that you didn't know either. What did Jesus really mean when he said, in my Father's house are many mansions? Well, let's listen to this sermon and find out. Not only are you going to have a perfect body in heaven, you're going to have a perfect place to live. Now, you may love the house you live in now. I love my house. I've lived in it over 15 years. But my house is not perfect. I could show you things in my house that are not exactly right, and you could me with your house too. But one of these days, we're going to have a perfect place to live. Look in verse 2 of John 14, and notice what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, I've been hearing that verse all my life. I've been quoting that verse for 30 years. In my Father's house are many mansions. And, And we read that, and we think, well, that means... When I get to heaven, I'm going to have a big house, big piece of land, big piece of real estate. I'm going to have a mansion in the sky. In fact, there's even an old song, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. And I've always kind of just, that's been my impression of heaven. I'm going to have a house. You're going to have a house. We're all going to have a house. We're all going to have our piece of property up there. And sometimes you can see my house. And one day I'll come over and see your house. We're going to have all these different houses in heaven. But if you think about it, that's not what that verse says. Jesus said, in my Father's house. Did you know in heaven there's only one house? And then he said, in my Father's house are many, and the New King James and the Old King James bring that out as mansions, but the Greek word there is mone, M-O-N-E, and it literally means dwelling places. 
It literally means rooms within the house. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, in heaven, it's not that everybody has their own piece of real estate and everybody has their own house. Heaven is my Father's house. There's just one house in heaven. But in that house, there are a lot of rooms, and we're all going to have a special room. I was reading this past week some of Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. It's the most comprehensive book that's ever been written on the subject of heaven. And on page 321, he has a chapter, uh, a section that says, will we have our own homes in heaven? Listen to what he says. Perhaps you're familiar with Christ's promise in John 14, in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. The Vulgate, which is the Latin translation of the Bible, used the word mansions in that verse, and the King James Version followed by using mansions as well. Unfortunately, that rendering is misleading if it makes us envision having massive lodgings on separate estates. The intended meaning seems to be that we'll have separate dwelling places on a single estate or even separate rooms within the same house. New Testament scholar D.A. Carson says, since heaven is here pictured as the Father's house, it is more natural to think of dwelling places within a house as rooms or suites. The simplest explanation is best. My Father's house refers to heaven, and in heaven are many rooms many dwelling places. The point is not the lavishness of each apartment, but the fact that such ample provision has been made that there's more than enough space for every one of Jesus' disciples to join him in his Father's home. The New International Version rendering of John 14, 2 says, in my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Place is singular, but rooms is plural. This suggests Jesus has in mind for each of us an individual dwelling that's a smaller part of the larger place. This place will be home to us in the most unique sense. The term room is cozy and intimate. The terms house or estate suggest spaciousness. That's heaven. A place both spacious and intimate. Some of us enjoy coziness, being in a private space. Others enjoy a large, wide-open space. Most of us enjoy both. And that's what heaven will offer, spaciousness and coziness. And so when we get to heaven, we're going to have a room in God's house, and we are going to be together. Now, that leads right to the next thing we're going to have in heaven that we don't have on earth. We're going to have not only a perfect body and a perfect place to live, but in heaven, we're going to have perfect togetherness. You know, again, nothing on earth is perfect. Bodies aren't perfect. Where we live isn't perfect. And even our togetherness, even our relationship with one another, even with family members and friends, it's not perfect. Have you ever thought how many times on a given day you say goodbye even to your spouse, which would be the closest human relationship there is? Those of you who are married, you wake up in the morning, you have a conversation with your spouse, you have breakfast, you kiss each other, you go out the door, she goes her way, you go your way, and what do you say? You say goodbye, I'll talk to you later on. The day goes on, you call each other to check, how's it going, everything's good here, how about you, good, what are we going to do tonight, let's do this, let's don't do that, let's try this. You have your conversation, then you say goodbye. 
The afternoon comes, you have another conversation, just checking in, how you doing good, catch up a little bit, and you're in that conversation, say goodbye. All through a day, we say goodbye. I did a wedding last night in the chapel for a fine young couple, and when the wedding was over, I was talking to some friends who've moved and moved out of Pasadena area, and they no longer come to First Baptist, can't drive that far, but they had come to the wedding last night, and after the wedding, it's like you know, this is just old friends. You just pick up where you left off. And we were just talking. And it, it was like they never even moved away. But time came for our conversation to end. They had to go. I had to go. And, and so we said goodbye. Friend, what I'm saying to you is there's coming a day when we get to heaven, we won't ever have to tell our loved ones goodbye again. See, that's what death is. Death is one long goodbye. It is one long I'll see you later. But in heaven, that goodbye is going to turn in to a hello. That one long goodbye is going to turn in, man, I've been missing you. Man, it's great to see you again. But in heaven, it's going to be like it was for me last night in that chapel with my friends. We're going to pick up where we left off, and we're going to be together forever. Because remember, we're not living in our own houses. We don't go home every night. We're not going to even, even our rooms, we're not going to go sleep there because we'll have new bodies that won't need, it's just a special place Jesus has made so we'll feel at home and so we'll feel like that, that we belong and, and know that he has prepared that for us. But in heaven, we will be together all the time. And not only will we have in heaven perfect togetherness with each other, but in heaven, we will have perfect fellowship with God. Perfect fellowship with God. You know that's what God has always wanted with, with His people, is perfect fellowship. We go back to the beginning of the Bible and we read that Genesis chapters 1 and 2 that Adam and Eve were in that garden. Well, by the time you get to chapter 2, they were in that garden of Eden. And there in chapter 3, before sin, we came into the earth. We read that every day in the cool of the day, the evening time, God would come into that garden and He would go on walks with Adam and Eve. They couldn't see Him, but they knew it was God and they knew He was there. But then they sinned. And from that time until this, our relationship with God has been marred to some extent and messed up in some way by sin. Used to, even in the lives of the people of God, the children of God, in your life and in mine, as wonderful as our relationship is, we don't have a perfect fellowship with Jesus now. And it's primarily because of sin. I think back in Old Testament times when Moses led those children out of the Egyptian bondage and there they are in the wilderness moving towards the promised land and one day God and Moses were having a conversation and God said to Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle. I want you to build a place where I can put my presence. I want to be with my people. Did you know in the Old Testament we, we read about the tabernacle in the temple, and we think, well, it's the, same. it's the Old Testament version of the church. We come to church, we walk in the doors, we sit down, we sing songs, we worship God, we learn from God's Word. And in the Old Testament, they did that in the tabernacle in the temple. That's just flat wrong. Did you know in the Old Testament, the people could not go into the tabernacle? We read in Exodus chapter 25 that God made the tabernacle not for the people. God made the tabernacle for Himself, for His own presence. And then in Exodus chapter 29, when God was giving instructions to Moses for how the people were to approach Him as He was now in that tabernacle, God said to Moses, Exodus 29, 42, Moses, you tell the people, they can come as close as the door of the tabernacle, but they cannot come inside. 
Because I am holy, they are unholy. I am sinless, they are sinful. And if unholy people come into the holiness of my presence, they will be killed, they will die. And so God said they can come to the door, but they can't come inside. Fast forward hundreds of years, now Solomon's building that grandiose temple in Jerusalem. And we have the idea, man, when Solomon built that temple, Solomon's temple, the Jewish people could come in that temple like we come in a church and worship God. God said, no, you cannot. There'll be a section where you can go to. The men have to stop right here. The women can worship in this section. The Gentiles can worship here. But God said, in this temple that is being designed for my presence is the Holy of Holies. And that is the place where my presence will be. But God said to Solomon, and God was teaching his people, you better make it very clear. Nobody can come into the Holy of Holies or they'll be stricken dead. They're unholy. They're sinful. You can't approach me like that. God said, I'll make one exception to that rule. Just like God allowed Moses to go into the tabernacle, God said, I'm going to allow the high priest once a year, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, I'm going to let the high priest come into the holy of holies. But when he comes in, he's going to have the blood from an animal that has been sacrificed, and he's going to sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat which sat on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the very presence of God. And God said, because the high priest comes in with the blood to make atonement for the sins of the people, he can come in. But did you know the Holy of Holies was so holy and so exclusive and so reserved for the presence of God and could only be approached by the high priest because of the blood of the animal? God said, you better tie a rope around the ankle of the high priest Because when he's in the Holy of Holies, should he have a heart attack and die, the rest of you can't go in and pull him out. You'll have to pull him out by the rope. Now, that's how holy the presence of God is. See, the the word tabernacle means dwelling place. God said, my dwelling place is so holy, you can come close, but you can only come so close. But think about heaven. You talk about the ultimate dwelling place of God, the ultimate home in God, of God. God is saying to us, you need to understand in heaven, because Jesus Christ has shed His blood on the mercy seat, your sins have been atoned for, your sins have been paid for, your sins have been forgiven. Jesus says, God says to us now, you can come not only to the door of heaven, You can walk through the door and you can live here in my presence for all eternity. You can not only approach the gates, you can walk through the gates. I've built a room for you and this will be your home. And when we get there, we'll have perfect fellowship with Jesus. Do you remember how excited you were the day you got saved? If you can remember that, say amen. Amen. Did you know in heaven, you're going to have that feeling for all eternity? You know, like in my life now, I love God. I I truly love God. And some days, the presence of God is so real to me, I can almost feel it. And other days, it seems like God's a thousand miles away. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes God hides himself from us. Sometimes God removes from us the awareness of his presence so that we'll learn to trust him, whether we can feel him or not. But many times, the reason we don't feel the presence of God is because maybe we've sinned or maybe we're worrying about something. Maybe we're anxious about something. And that kind of has come between us and God. But friend, in heaven, there'll be no sin. There'll be no worry. There'll be no anxiety. We'll have no cares. And we will enjoy perfect oneness with Jesus Christ. Now, still listening? Say amen. amen. Last thought. If I were sitting where you're sitting today, 
I would be thinking what any Christian would be thinking. Man, that sounds great. Or what any person should be thinking, even if you're not a Christian. Wow. Heaven is a great place. Perfect bodies, perfect places to live, uh, a perfect togetherness with our loved ones who've been saved, perfect intimacy and closeness and fellowship with Jesus. But, John, what about right here and what about right now? One more verse. Back in John 14, look in verse 23. You see, one day we are going to God's house. But did you know in the meantime, God has established His house in our hearts. John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, Jesus said this, He will keep my word and my Father will love him. Now watch this. And we, who is we? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we will come to Him now watch this, and make our home with him. That word home is the Greek word mane, M-O-N-E. John 14, 2, in my father's house are many manes, are many rooms. John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, if anyone's saved, Jesus is saying we, the Godhead, will come to that person and we will make our money. We will make our dwelling place. We will make our room. We will make our home with Him. And so the question today is a simple question, but it's a good question. It's the most important question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you opened your heart, where you invited Jesus to come in to make His money, to make His dwelling place, and to make His home in your heart? And if you never have, would you do it right now with heads bowed and eyes closed? If you say, John, I want to go to heaven, but I've got a problem. It's, a, it's, it's the problem we all have. It's the problem of sin. Right now, sin is blocking me from coming into the full presence of God. That's true if you're not saved. But it's also true that Jesus has shed his blood on that mercy seat. So that you, you don't have to stand outside the door and watch the rest of us enjoy being saved. You can walk through the door and you can come into the presence of God today because of the blood of Jesus. And if you'll do that, He will establish His home in your heart. Would you pray this prayer right now? All across the room, students who may not know that they're saved. Others here today, maybe you're visiting for the first time. Maybe a long-time member. But you say, I'm just not sure. That Jesus Christ is living in my heart. Would you pray this right now? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. Lord, make your home, your money, your dwelling place. Make it right here in my heart. Tell him, say, God, I thank you one day I'm going to live in, in your house. But God, in the meantime, I thank you that you have... Now establish your house in me. Welcome to my heart. Thank you that you'll never leave me. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be. And Lord, during this next song, give me the courage to come forward and to make this decision public. Well, when you think about not only the reality of heaven, but how amazingly wonderful heaven is going to be, it just makes you want to go right now. At least that's how I feel sometimes. I mean, I love my life. I love living down here on this earth. But I'll tell you one thing. When we get to heaven, we won't be sad. We won't be missing earth. We will be so thankful to be with God 
in our new bodies, in our new home, in our new dwelling place. I'm so thankful that in heaven, there are not going to be a lot of different pieces of real estate with lots of different mansions on each piece of real estate. I'm glad there's just one house, and it's our Father's house. And I'm thankful that in that house, there are many different rooms. I have a room. I hope you have a room prepared for you. If you're a Christian, you do. And we're going to be together there in the same house. You know, for those who live alone, I think this would have special meaning. I live alone. And just to know that one day we're going to be in a house and we won't be all by ourselves. We're going to have our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and uh, we're going to all be together in that same house. And I think that's so, such a wonderful thought. And then to think about having perfect intimacy with each other, perfect togetherness. We'll never have to tell each other goodbye. We'll never have to hang up the phone again. We'll just all be together forever. And then to have perfect oneness and togetherness and fellowship with Jesus Christ where there's nothing in between us and Him. No sin, no worry, no stress, no anxiety, nothing at all. I'm telling you, heaven is going to be an absolutely perfect place. Now, at the end of the message today, I led our congregation uh, in a prayer where they could pray and invite Jesus Christ to come into their heart to be their Lord and Savior. And today, when you were listening to that program, maybe you just prayed that prayer. You, you recognize your need for God. God convicted you of sin in your life. And you see, it's our sin that keeps us from, from having a personal relationship with God. Sin is like a big, thick wall that stands between us and God. But when Jesus Christ died on that cross, He destroyed that wall. He removed that barrier. His blood has washed our sins away and made it possible for us to come into the very presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. And as I was studying, preparing for that sermon, I thought it was very interesting when I learned that in Old Testament times, the people could not go into the tabernacle. And then they could not go into the Holy of Holies in the temple itself. They could only go so far, but no farther. But because of Jesus Christ, we can come into the very presence of God. We can come into the Holy of Holies. There's nothing separating us in, in Jesus. And so today, I want to just encourage you, if you have confessed your sins to the Lord, no matter what you've done, how horrible it might have been, and you have received His forgiveness, the Bible says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And so don't let the old devil make you feel guilty and don't let him convince you that you can't come into the presence of God and that you can't get as close to God as somebody else might could get. That's just not true. You can come into the the, the, the closest part of, the, of God's presence, the Holy of Holies, as it were. You can come uh, into God's presence like that because of the blood of Jesus. And so when the devil makes you feel bad and makes you feel guilty. And hey, folks, we've all sinned. But when the devil pulls that on you, you just remind the devil that the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all sin. Now, I do want to thank you for not only listening today, but I hope you're listening to our programs each week when they're aired at this time and on this station. Also, if you have never visited our website, a lot of work has gone into our Peace by Believing website. And I would encourage you, take a few minutes today, peacebybelieving.org, peacebybelieving.org. Pull that up and look at the resources, the incredible resources we have on that website. There are podcasts, 
uh, sermons that we have uh, preached recently, programs that we have aired. You can pull those up. These are good things to listen to when you're walking on the treadmill, when you're exercising in the gym, when you're walking around in the park. You can just listen to these. They're, they're concise, they're short, and hopefully they'll be a blessing to you. Also on our website, we have a, uh, a link where you can click on spiritual growth and it will take you to about 20 different booklets that have been prepared through the years for our congregation here in Pasadena, Texas. But you can read those booklets right there on your computer. We have one called How to Be a Happy Christian, Riding Out the Storms of Life, When God Says Wait, Finding Freedom Through Forgiveness, Never Alone, How to Have a Peaceful Heart, how to Make Heaven Your Home. These are just a few of the booklets that we have. Uh, we have one my dad actually wrote some years ago called Where God Guides, God Provides. You can read all of these booklets in probably 45 minutes. If That's if you're a slow reader. If you're a fast reader, you do it faster than that. Visit our website, contact us, let us know where you're listening from, and be with us next time. <music>